out were born in 1997 and became best friends when they were six. Grew up together and started a band and bonded over music ever since. Twenty years later they are all grown up and spend their free time analyzing lyrics. Now here they are talking all about their lord and savior Dr. Taylor Allison Swift. Taylor, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Hello. Hi. It's me. It's it's us. I am Kat. I am Abby. And this is the Swift Lore Podcast, where we talk about the lyrics and lore of our Lord and Savior, Dr. Taylor Ellison Swift. Absolutely. That is why we are here. Yes. And if you can hear my dog crunching away at her toy, I'm annoyed too. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, disclaimer, love her more than any other living thing. But she sure does know how to be annoying. Mm. Anyways. Hi. Hello. Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think what I was going (laughs) to, we have a couple updates. Well, I have a couple updates. Go for it. Okay. Well, I was at a bachelor bachelorette thing over the weekend. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I haven't told Kat anything about it yet. It was fine. I got really socially awkward at first because I didn't know anybody. Except Ryan. Except Ryan, but he wasn't there yet. And so the night one, um, I just kind of walked around. I didn't say anything because I was too nervous. (laughs) And then everyone's like, Abby's so mysterious. (laughs) They did. And you know what? It worked. Because the following day. (laughs) And then you get the trauma dump. Oh, I didn't even trauma dump. But then people kept asking me to psychoanalyze them, which isn't really how it works. (laughs) Hey, what am I thinking right now? Someone literally asked me that. Hey, are you in school for mind reading? Right? I am, actually. But you know, okay, so you know what he was thinking about was how good the baked ziti was. And he was correct because I was also eating it. <laughs> anyway. So I was thinking how stupid this <laughs> is. Never mind. I'm going to make a joke. So I also jumped in the lake. That was something that I did yesterday. I've never Take done that before. Take me to the lake, well, am I right? <laughs> that was the most sarcastic laugh I've ever heard. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't mean it to come out that way, and it did. You're like, ha. Huh. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So there's that, and then we have the other, the anniversary of something that we were going to bring up. You know, one year ago. Today. Oh, oh, oh! We wrote a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we, we came started up writing with it. a sitcom. It's called Yes Homo No Romo, mm-hmm. and it's basically like it's a Broad City esque type thing where like the main characters are like alternate universe versions of us that mm-hmm. are just like a little bit weirder and a little <laughs> bit cooler. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about correct. Um, and we started writing it a year ago today, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, we drink too much wine, and we were like. <laughs> We should start a sitcom. sitcom, and then one of the bits in the sitcom is we should start a podcast, which is how we started this podcast. So it's really, it's full circle. It's a full it's circle. circle. It's been a year. It's been a long year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today our theme that we're talking about this week is we are, um, we both did songs that we have tattoos inspired by. Yeah, I just got my tattoo Two days ago, so it'll be like a I week ago. I haven't even seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet, and I'm wearing like not a real shirt under this, so <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna take. I'll show you after the episode. Um, my mine is for my tears ricochet. I'm as we know a huge Shakespeare nerd. I think it's cut out from this, but I have a Shakespeare shelf. I have a dog named Shakespeare, and I'm slowly getting a sleeve of Shakespeare things. Oh no, my camera's dying. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. We'll go until it dies, and then we'll just take a little breaky break. Okay. Um. And I got one, yes, not yesterday. I got a tattoo Friday that's a ship 
um, sinking for Twelfth Night in the Tempest and My Tears Ricochet because I realized after I got the first two tattoos for my Shakespeare sleeve that it also can be a Taylor Swift sleeve. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we'll post pictures of my Poor sleeve. And then, of course. And I have a Champagne Problems tattoo, which I don't actually usually advertise. I don't usually say what the uh, tattoo correlates to. Because it's mysterious just like you at the bachelorette weekend (laughs) i'm a mysterious person it's like your tattoo is like gatekeeping what song it's about it's just the notes (laughs) yeah exactly it is just music notes taken from a specific lyric from the song champagne problems and so when people ask me if they seem chill i'll tell them and if they if i don't know them very well i'll be like you have to earn it but i did end up telling (laughs) okay work for it no because at the bachelor bachelorette thing yesterday we're all on the couch and it's me and a bunch of men by the way me and a bunch of men are just on the couch i was wearing a backwards hat so i was really growing out (laughs) you were in your lesbian era (laughs) i was frat girl abby and one of them asked me i was wearing shorts you could see the tattoo and they were just like oh um what are the music notes and i was like oh they correlate to a song they're like let me guess i'm like you're not gonna guess they said is it taylor swift They said, actually, we immediately got the, we know what you're the guy, about. The guy, we walked in here and we said, oh, Swifty, which I mean, compliment. It's a compliment. I, should, I take Swift, it as a you compliment. You should take it as a compliment. And it's really funny because it's the same guy who asked me what he was thinking. He was thinking about Big Ziti. And it was that guy that was like, it's Taylor Swift, isn't it? And I was just like, I cannot believe you just asked me that. And he thought that meant it wasn't. And then I was like, no, no, it is. It is Taylor Swift. <laughs> it is. I'm just shocked. <laughs> I just can't believe you knew. So anyway. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about. Um, rock, paper? Rock, paper. Of course, I forgot to charge my camera because I am still unmedicated. <laughs> I'm struggling. Mm. My life is falling apart. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's rock, paper it up. Rock, paper. Oh, I, I, You know what? I guess I have to do rock because I, you know, let's, let's I was waiting for let's a scissors that never came. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> Anyway, okay, are we doing rock, paper, shoot? Is that how we're doing it? Rock, paper, no scissors, shoot. Okay, rock, Rock, paper, paper, no scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, no scissors, shoot. Finally, you get to go first. Woo, okay. (laughs) Time for champagne problems. So, (laughs) champagne problems is track two on Taylor's ninth studio album, Evermore. Love it. Oh, I love Evermore. And that was released on December 11th, 2020. Wait, can I just leave Evermore? The buttons is undone. Oh my God, I'm undecent. <laughs> <laughs> Not indecent, undecent. <laughs> well, the button was done at one point. Now I'm undecent. You've been undecented. I, that's what happens. <laughs> when you think about champagne so problems, it just... You just, you pop a button. <laughs> Because you eat. Don't song quote eats. me on that. Because <laughs> the song uh, eats, and then when you eat, you Anyway. You know what? I was going to drink, and I decided not I think we're going to laugh every time we drink. I thought about bringing champagne, and then I realized I'm broke. I can't afford it. You get like, knock off, like, Prosecco's. That's true. I could have gotten the Champs or whatever it's called. The one that's, it's like, on the bottom shelf. It's gross, but it would be on theme. Um, I don't have any sparkling wine, unfortunately. I usually okay. do, honestly. I have cold brew. Um, that's my champagne. a little DC. Incredible. Um, okay, so this song was written with Joe Alwyn. Um, he was under the pseudonym William Bowery. 
and it was also produced by Aaron Dessner. Stan. They were dating at the time, Taylor and Joe, not Taylor and Aaron Dessner. No, I think he's married with like several children. He seems he has like that a energy. Kind he man. seems like a girl dad. Yeah, he does. And that's like really high praise. It is high praise. <laughs> like he seems like a chill good dude. We like our dads. <laughs> <laughs> our dads? As in is Aaron is Aaron Dessner both of our dads? <laughs> I was making a girl dad joke. Oh. Oh, man. As you know, both of our fathers have daughters. <laughs> right. It's us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. I'm I'm following. I'm a little slow today. I was just at a bachelor bachelorette weekend. <laughs> I'm just slow. How many times can I slip that into conversation? Let's find out. <clears throat> Ding. Okay. So I wrote this quote down because I thought it was funny. On Wikipedia, it described this song as a lo-fi tune led by an oompa piano. <laughs> Also, who would define champagne problems as lo-fi? A lo-fi tune with oompa piano. Oompa. <laughs> and they said oompa like thrice in the article. I just want to point that out. <laughs> it was I fucking love the word thrice. <laughs> Me too. I say it as often as I can. Uh, so, yeah. Um, they also mentioned it's, it's a ballad. And I only mention that it's a ballad because it reminds me of that episode of Glee called Ballad, where they all sing ballads. <laughs> and then I thought about if glee were on today there was an episode called ballad rachel berry would sing champagne problems oh for sure <laughs> also we i that made me realize we didn't explain our song choices from the the end of last week into our current. oh okay you're right you chose oh i chose uh don't stop believing oh glee that's how you version. got there the glee yeah. cast version because of the midnight train and i chose crying because of tears <laughs> Yeah, it was yes. a real big brain moment it was, there. It was a real big both brain of moment. Went big brain for it. Um, okay. And it got critical acclaim for its portrayal of heartbreak and mental health. Um, you know. Fucked in the head. Just like me for real. Just like me for real. Um, and she performed it on the Eras tour. Um, she actually said, hold on, the quote came later. She was really, really excited to perform it live, and she was like, "I'm, I'm so excited to perform the bridge, especially, because um, I was really looking forward to singing it live and hearing everyone scream back at me, which is uh, great." Because that wasn't the quote at all, by the way. I wrote down the quote and I butchered it, but that's the spirit of it. That's the vibe. And we screamed for three and a half minutes. Yeah, we did. We set a record. We did. On and I show. have like on my like little audio recording. I just every time I listen to the concert, I just fast forward because it just keeps going. Yeah. I know the first episode I inserted clips from the show. That took too much work. <laughs> so I'm not doing that again. But you can just believe that it was three and a half minutes of screaming. You don't want to give it a goog. Three and a half. <laughs> give it a goog. Give it a goog. Oh, my Lanta. Okay. So speaking of the bridge, um, I wanted to also mention that I have never said the F word on the internet. Okay. I will do it one time. I'm going to go by PG-13 rules. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And I'm waiting. Okay, so I'm PG-13. I'm going to say not. it once. I've never been PG-13 <laughs> since age 13. <laughs> Please. When I was a kid, I'd swear, and then my parents would be like, don't fucking swear. <laughs> that's, the, that's the household I grew up with. I speak like a cartoon child, as we've established, and Victorian I will say it once, child. and I'm going to choose the right time to say it. Um, that's just, I just thought that would be fun to have a little rule. Because I love rules. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. 
Anyways. There's another quote about what she said about writing it with her boyfriend. She said, I say it was a surprise that we started writing together, but in a way it wasn't because we've always bonded over music and had the same musical tastes. And he's always the person who's showing me songs by artists and then they become my favorite songs or whatever. Joe and I really love sad songs. We've always bonded over music. So it, so we write the saddest ones. We just really love sad songs. What can I say? And honestly, <laughs> me too. That's real. That's real. I love a good sad song. I am that person. I sometimes, I only like a sad song if I'm already sad. If I'm not sad and I listen to a sad song, I'm like, why did I do this? Now I'm sad. Right. I'm happy so rarely. Why would I do this? (laughs) (laughs) See, that's my secret cap. I'm always sad. So I can just listen to sad music. It's like the Hulk, but it's just like you crying in a corner. (laughs) That's me. And I'm always listening to sad music and I love it. Uh, So now the camera angle has changed because... I have ADHD and I'm unmedicated and I forgot to charge my camera this week. It's fine. Um, In words of many people on the internet, it'd be like that. It'd be like that sometimes. Um, Okay, so this song addresses a former lover from the second person perspective. And it's entirely centered on someone else's heartbreak, which is different from a lot of Taylor songs. So that one sets this apart a little bit from a lot of the other breakup songs that she does. It's also not based on her life. It is part of the the lore folklore evermore writing from different perspectives kind of we thing. love a lore we do obviously and i love that she started doing that me too because she's an amazing storyteller and she's got so many stories to tell she's got stories for days she got so many things going on in that brain for sure um so one of the critics compared this song to love story which is cruel um because one is about accepting a proposal and one is about rejecting it ouchie uh-huh I was like, you really didn't have to say that, but you did that. Um, so someone wrote that she's a storyteller who doesn't always tell all, and I really like that. Um, and I'll talk more about why I picked that quote out when I get to the lyric breakdown. And then someone else wrote that there was so much empathy in the song that neither character is the bad guy, which I also True. appreciate. Another fun fact, there's a French luxury hotel called Royal Champagne Hotel and Spa that offers a package called a champagne solution. And it includes a bottle of Dom Perignon. <laughs> That's fair. I wonder, like, what Dom Perignon tastes like because... I'll never find out. Because I don't <laughs> have that kind of money. I have none I've got none money. <laughs> I, I, got, I drink my Dunkin'. I've got no money. I've got no money, but I deserve a little treat. I really did it's deserve so a little treat It's so hard being broke. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, anyway, so now we get into the lyrical breakdown. So in the first verse, she's describing how her former partner is spending the rest of his evening. And one thing that's really interesting to me is that actually there's two things. There's multiple things. Eh. Okay. So in this opening verse, she's describing his situation as if she knows what he's going through, um, which she doesn't anymore. Like she's no longer a part of his life. Um, but she's talking about what he's doing. Like you book the night train, um, You don't know which is worse, bustling crowds or silent sleepers. I really like the imagery of it and how she's describing something so specific and also so relatable, which we talked about last week. And it also sets up the emotions and what he's doing, (coughs) but it doesn't say what happened yet. So it doesn't really reveal what happened yet. Um, And I also wonder if she's saying this, like you book the night train, you're, you're sitting there, you're wondering these things. I, maybe she's, 
also kind of grieving and on her own and she's imagining that he's doing the same thing because i think when you break up with someone you like you think about them even if you're the one to end things you're like i wonder how they're doing i wonder what they're doing because like there's also that guilt Mm because like clearly in the song like she still loves him Mm -hmm. but like just knows it's not like wouldn't work so like she's just trying not to be selfish which like sucks um yeah that was my complete thought and then i kept going yeah no there's still so much so much care there um and i just think about my break when i broke up with someone and thinking about like what he was doing afterwards and feeling extra heartbroken because i'm like i caused that ow Yowchi. Yowchi. Um, that. And I also, I kind of compared the vibes of this to right where you left me in the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she's sitting at the restaurant alone in that one. That one's from her perspective. But she's still grieving alone, surrounded by people who have perceptions of her. Um, I don't want to be perceived. Perceive me not. Perceive me not. You heard it here first. Uh, both of those songs, Champagne Problems are Right Where You Left Me, are top tier also. So good. Um, in the chorus, she finally is just like, hey, here's what happened. He proposed to me, and I said no. <laughs> it's actually it's going to be a no from me, dog. It's a no from me. But instead of... to Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That would be the worst way to turn down a proposal. Could you imagine? They were like, wait, I'll be right back. You bring in Simon Cowell. <laughs> Like, at that point, it's on the person who proposed. <laughs> if you're proposing to someone who could possibly turn you on, turn you down. <laughs> He's like, Simon Cowell. <laughs> I've made a terrible error. Oh, oh man. Whew, okay. So, anyway, um, so champagne so anyway, problems. So, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so, the other thing is that she tells us she tells us that, it, that she turned on the proposal through indirect little details. Like she dropped his hand. She left him standing there. He had his mom's ring in his pocket. So she she's saying it, but she's also not saying it. Like she can't even, she can't even think about what she did and say it directly because it still yeah. hurts so much. Oh, also I wrote the term dropped your hand was brought back in the All Too Well music video with my love, Sadie Sink. You got your flannel very all too well. Oh, also, I haven't even mentioned yet. I'm wearing the Speak Now card again. I got it like a month early and it's really soft. When I first tried it on yesterday, I did take a video. I'll put it up on the, like, it'll probably be on TikTok by the time this goes up. But I put it on the immediately went, this is too scratchy for new tattoo. (laughs) But for two day tattoo, it's not too scratchy. It's it's beautiful. It's got balloon sleeves. That's very cute. I fucking love balloon sleeves. Sorry, we're on track. No, it's really. Cu- I really like that sweater. Okay. I don't think I noticed that it was. Uh, it's the speak it's very now. subtle. Yeah, it's the speak now is very small, and mm-hmm. like the stars are it's just really like, cute. It's so cute. But I just related it to the all too well music video. I thought it was interesting how they incorporated that as a pretty major plot point because that was one of the pieces of dialogue that Taylor actually like. Oh no, that di- Taylor didn't write the dialogue for that scene. That was all improv. Yeah, well, yeah, but in the scene at the dinner table, yeah. specifically, he drops her hand. Like kind of like, yeah, and it's, it. and I kind of love it too because that's such a um, it doesn't sound devastating out of context, but then you really think about it and you're like, when you're with a group of people, you're with someone you love, and they drop your hand, and how that's just like a rejection. Yeah, it's really she really is bringing the TSCU together, the Taylor Swift Cinematic Universe. Oh my God, she is. When is she gonna make a movie? I know she talked about making a movie, it's and I know happen. that's not what we're talking about, but. <laughs> It's what we're always talking about. It's what we're always Maybe thinking H. about. Maybe McGee over here. <laughs> <laughs> Just rolling with it. 
Whoo. Okay. I also just wrote down the line, your heart was glass. I dropped it. And I said, no thoughts. Just wow. Because I don't know why I just like rocked around like a gyroid <laughs> from Animal Crossing. That's like, that's how that makes me feel. It's just sick Animal Crossing reference, bro. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> so champagne problems, according to Google, refers to first world problems or problems that are like, look, look still luxuries in nature to have. Um, and, and during the chorus, she's talking about this really devastating thing and then just dismissing it as a champagne problem. Like she's downplaying the issue. And um, I also wrote, and I talk more about this later in the song, but I think it's also kind of a disguise of how big this is for her because she focuses so much on his perspective and his feelings and she doesn't even talk about her own. She just represses them and she's like, yeah, but he's hurting so much. It's almost like she doesn't feel like she has the right to be in pain because it was her decision. Okay, so verse two, again, it's just a big old owie talking about how he told his family. He was so confident that she was going to say yes. Uh, they were all ready. Um, yeah, because like before you propose to someone, like you pretty much tell like everybody. Yeah. And then, oof, but oof. it didn't work out. And I just think about... Was the proposal in front of everyone or did he take her well, I mean, on the, the landing? Dropped her hand while dancing. I this is total my own like head cannon uh-huh. thing. I connect like champagne problems and cowboy like me okay. as being the same party. Cause you know how cowboy like me, like there's a party happening under the big tent. Mm. I in my little squirrel brain, I feel like the the party from Champagne Problems where he proposes and where she says no and they drops hands while dancing is mm-hmm. the same party. So I think of it as happening at this like big tent, this big event, and it's like he proposes and then she's just like, no thanks. Interesting. I just made that up, but I like it. Okay, I mean I not like just. I made this up several months slash years ago. I like it. I like the connection. My headcanon is that they were dancing at this party and then she dropped his hand because she was like, oh no, I think he's going to propose. And she went to the landing and he followed her to the landing and then proposed and then she said no. And that's even worse because like if you're walking up a staircase, everybody can see you and then it's even more. And then it also makes you think though, like clearly to me, before you propose to someone, like you should be checking in Mm -hmm. with them. Like, hey, marriage thoughts? (laughs) Like that's usually what people do is mm-hmm. like check if they want to get married mm-hmm. um like most couples nowadays talk about it extensively so sure. i think it also is telling of him that he clearly didn't like vibe check before the proposal that's true but she describes him as pretty much faultless in this song well yeah but that's not always like that when you think that you hurt someone mm-hmm. you want to look past their flaws you know it's like especially yeah. in that directly aftermath when you're like this is my fault yeah then like later on Mm-hmm. You start being like, well, he didn't he didn't check if I wanted to get married. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's saying that I'm fucked in the head. So, like, is it all on me? It'll eventually, she'll figure it out. Exactly. She'll get there, we hope. <laughs> she'll get there. Post-champagne problems. Um, so then she switches to saying, your hometown skeptics called it champagne problems. So now she's saying that, like, that term didn't come from her. People were calling it champagne problems and she's she just kind of latched onto it and she's like it's a champagne like she's dismissing it she's really just like remember last week how you were saying that like a lot of times people dismiss like 
heartbreak mm-hmm. as like because it's temporary like it's not as like valid as other types of pain mm-hmm. i feel like it's that same thing of just like they're like oh you'll get married eventually probably like clearly you wasn't the one so like what are you so upset about you're the one who said no and it's like mm-hmm. this still hurts yeah it's uh awful it's horrible yeah um, this song, it's it's just it just hurts so much. Um, then she says, "You had a speech. You're speechless." Like he had something that he had to say, and he didn't even get to say it. And she couldn't even give him a reason. And like so valid, so valid of her to say no. It's valid of anyone to say no to a proposal if it doesn't feel right. Disclaimer. But also True. imagining proposing to someone and them saying no, and they can't even give you a reason. That's. I hate public proposals. I'm going to be real. And, like, mm. this is one of the reasons. Because, like, imagine you propose in front of a bunch of people. And then they say no. Mm-hmm. And then they're on the spot. And you're on the spot. And you're like, why no? And it's like, the other thing is that why did she, could she not give a reason because she didn't really know? Or because she didn't want to be like, oh, it's because we're not compatible for the long term. Like, you know, it's already like, this is already embarrassing for both of us. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be like, well, here's our dirty laundry. Like... Yeah. Clearly there's communication problems. Yeah. But communication problems didn't have the same ring to it. It's true. So now we have the bridge. The bridge, Patrick, the bridge. <sighs> the bridge. The Where's the... No, wait. Oh, what the... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. No, where is it? Okay, I think it's. I think it's this one. Nope. The bridge of champagne problems. <laughs> we got it. Um, we only hit every button first, except this one. I want to see what it does. <laughs> I never want to see what that one does ever again. <laughs> that button. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyways. So I never, I, disclaimer, I never make these kinds of jokes. I mean, this joke also, I mean, as a compliment and I'm going to say it because I think this joke is funny. This bridge makes me want to jump off one. <laughs> My favorite is how many disclaimers you had to get to get to the railing. <laughs> like, <laughs> because I really don't like that kind of joke, but it's, I had to do it. I had to make it and I apologize and I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> sorry and I'm not and I said it. Bye. <laughs> so there's a lot to this bridge. I feel like I should, I could just like rapid fire this. Rapid fire it. Okay. Your Midas touch on the Chevy door. She's talking about how he turns even the most mundane of things into gold. Chills. November flash in your flannel cure. And I'm wearing my flannel for this. She's talking about like in the fall, everything is cold. He's like, here, take my jacket. Like these little romantic things and these glimmers. Of and like the way that she, like your flannel cure. Yeah. And this is romantic She's as shit. such a genius. Yeah, it's like, lyrically, I wrote several times. I'm like, lyrically, this is a masterpiece. Like, it's so good. Lyrically, storytelling-wise, poetically. Mm-hmm. Everything. Because it tells you everything you need to know. And it also doesn't say any of it directly. Yes, it is. This is all poetry books. Because, I don't know if you know this, I was an English major. Um, I actually haven't mentioned it this episode. Kind of impressive. Um, I only mentioned it while we were setting up. Uh, but, like, the whole hall poetry is just show don't tell yes and taylor taylor i love you we stand um clearly okay so then the next line this dorm was once a madhouse i made a joke well it's made for me so this adds some lore to their relationship (laughs) swift lore if you will 
Relationship lore just dropped. Dorm. So they, <laughs> dorm. So they, dorm. Dorms. Ah! <laughs> anyway, they were college sweethearts. Um, but the other thing that I love about this line is because it's the first introduction to her alluding to herself as crazy. She just drops that in real casually, real sneaky like. She makes a joke. She's like, oh, because I'm crazy. <laughs> Which also, like, I feel like I made that same joke in college so many times. Yes. Because, because I was mentally ill. Okay. <laughs> okay. Same. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's the same. It's the same. But then I just wrote my next line. I wrote, get on soapbox about women diminishing their own thoughts and feelings. Let's go. So. Soapbox is out. Climbed soapbox. On I'm on it. Women... It can be everyone, women, (laughs) but I feel like this can, this can occur to everyone, but most commonly women. And this is alluded to in the Barbie movie where they talk about how expressing their feelings, they're seen as hysterical. They're seen as crazy for standing up for themselves, for advocating for themselves. They're seen as dramatic. And so they're constantly downplaying their feelings. That is so, that is so common. And it makes me upsetty spaghetti. And that's why now as a, I like that, that you're like, women shouldn't downplay their feelings. I'm going to make a joke about how upset I am about this. <laughs> you literally, and you stumbled off the soapbox, but you're back on it. You're back on it. Uh, what a fantastic, incredible point you just made, because I really did just do that to myself. Because that's what we're like trained to do. Yes. Conditioned, yeah. socially conditioned. It sucks because if, if, Yucky. if we show passion, then we're seen as crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, how often are you called crazy for being a Taylor Swift fan? Often. Often. You same. say that you're a Taylor Swift fan and a, a lot of people just... They're like, oh, are you like one of those crazy ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah. I'm fucking nuts. We, we are. I'm nuts and what I love about Taylor it? Swift. Unrelated coincidences. I've seen you on Football Sunday. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> on Football Sunday, specifically. <laughs> football Monday? Less crazy. You had to go to work first. It's just I know so little about football. I've seen you with the oblong shape that they throw. I know what occurs. The stripey field. You think I know more about it now, too, because of the Travis Kelsey thing? I don't. Listen, if something was going to get me to like football, it would be Taylor Swift. But not even she has that power for me. Coming up next, her song called Football Problems. Okay. They do play. They're probably playing football right now. I know the wow. Bills are in London. I know something about football. Wow. I don't know why I thought that was a good thing. That's exciting. <laughs> I know. I still know nothing. But that's okay. But now you know between the, the, the two of us, London. we know that the Bills are in London. So, oh, uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bills, <laughs> London. <laughs> so back to champagne. So problems. back to champagne problems. <clears throat> However, Green, our group of friends, don't think we'll say that word again. So they used to have a shared community of friends that's now evaporated. Soon they'll have the nerve to deck the halls that we once walked through. Everyone's moving on. Everyone's going to continue to decorate for the holidays, but she'll never, she won't be there. She won't be celebrating with them. I also think that, like, when I first listened to the song and heard that, like, deck the halls that we once walked through, it's also, like, when you graduate college and then, like, you realize that all the traditions and stuff that people did, like they're still doing it just you're not anymore mm-hmm. and it's like growing up but then also like with the worst condition of like also everybody that you were friends with in college you're not anymore yeah which is sad 
Bummerino. Bummerino. (laughs) (laughs) I also skipped over the note about um, how evergreen our group of friends don't think we'll say that word again. And how do you think the word that they'll never say again is friends or our? Oh, that could have been a discussion question, but. But we're discussing it now. Yeah. We'll put it in the show questions, (laughs) maybe. Um, I think like. I don't know. I have always thought it was group, but oh. I think that in retrospect, that's wrong. I think it's our, cause it's I like, I think it's our, cause it is a group of friends, but it's no longer both because one of them is always going to be the odd man out now, especially cause like this level of breakup, mm-hmm. like you're not going to be able to just like Mm-mm. have a in group breakup where like you both get to stay in the friend group. Like even if they both stay in the friend group, there's separate group chats. They can't come to the same hangouts. Yeah, this is not like the show Friends where Ross and Rachel went through that whole thing and they still managed to all be friends. It's not like that. I believe you. I haven't watched Friends. Oh. <laughs> I can't do cringe. That's fine. It's not that cringy, but you still wouldn't like it. That's valid. <laughs> this is straight people shit, right? <laughs> Are the Friends fans going to kill me? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak for them. I speak for the trees. <laughs> I am the Lorax. <laughs> I am the Lorax. I need to be medicated. <laughs> oh my god. I'm almost anyway, done. Sorry. This, this sorry, bridge, there's I'm, just so much to say about this bridge. It's there's one so of my, much to tangent about. There's also that. Um okay, one for the money, two for the show. I never was ready, so I watch you go, which is a play on children's nursery rhyme from the eighteen hundreds. Um one for the money, two for the show, three to make ready and four to go. I'm going to be real. I thought it was just like the Elvis song. There is also an Elvis song, but That's it came from before that. I didn't know there was a before that. Yeah. 1800s. And so time. she took that and she she did a play on words of it. And I also wrote down that like she's counting down to the proposal because she knows it's going to happen. And then it's happening and she's like, I'm not ready. And then she watches him go. Oh, ouchie. Ouchie. <laughs> Once again. That hurt. It that that hurted. That shit <laughs> hurted. And then And so, now you get to say fuck. Uh, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> it's happening. Sometimes you just don't know the answer until someone's on their knees and asks you. And Oof. then I wrote I wrote the line in all capital letters, but I'm not gonna scream it. Okay. But I wrote she would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's fucked in the head, they said. Ugh. Get out. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that was a really deep scream. No, that, came from, that came from, like, the depths. It did. Wow. You, you get it. I could explain it, it, but you get it. And the girls I, that get it, get it. And the I girls don't, that girl and girl Oh, and also I've dealt with a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> also, I've dealt with a lot of mental health issues and in my past, and now I'm studying to be a therapist, so I hear all kinds of things all the time. And so mental health is something really near and dear to my heart, um, and it's kind of dark humor, and anytime I'm having a, a, a bad time, I'm having a depressive moment, I'm always like, what a shame. What a shame. And it helps. It really helps you guys. If you are, if you are someone you love and is mentally ill, get a reoccurring bit. It will really yes, help. It does. I will say that this again comes from other people's point of view. Um, so they're saying, "What a shame she's effed in the head." I already had my PG thirteen moment, and PG sixteen. I don't know. PG sixteen. That's not a thing, but it is now. 
Um, I'd say therefore I am. Yes. And also I'm wondering whether um, she's, she heard them say that or if she's just assuming they're going to say that about her. Because once again, she, she passes off herself as crazy a lot. I, I wonder too, because I think that it's partially like her saying it, but then the they said makes mm-hmm. it, and, it, and in the lyrics, I think it is an actual quote, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I've looked up the lyrics to the song before, just casually, <laughs> pre-pod. Super cash. Um, so I think it is like a quote of her like overhearing or like getting the gossip from someone. Because I wonder mm-hmm. if it's like, because the friend group, if it's like one of the people she still talks to, mm. that they're just like, yeah, everybody's saying like, you would have made a lovely bride, but you're fucked in the head. That would be so painful. But like, I would want to know if someone was saying that shit about me so that I could fight through. (laughs) (laughs) I would want to know so that I could cry about it and then call my therapist. The Aries response versus the (laughs) The cancer cancer. response. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, pretty much. Um, Star signs don't disturb and shit. What the fuck was that? (laughs) What was that? What was that? What is it? Proof. (laughs) And, um,. Then she ends the song by saying, like, assuring him that he's going to find someone that won't do all the things that she just did to him. She goes through the chorus again. She's not going to drop your hand. She's not going to leave you out there. You're going to have her picture in your wallet. You're going to propose, and you're going to be happily ever after, and you're going to forget all about me. I'm going to start crying. No, it's literally, it literally, it hurts. It's It hurts because it's so real. Also, that, like, when you leave a relationship that you know isn't right, but you're like, I... And the one who wasn't ready for all the things yes. that you were ready for. It makes me think of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Mm. Mm-hmm. How they broke up because he was like, I want to settle down. And she didn't. And now she's like married with a kid. And uh, he's honestly, I'm still not over that. I don't know no. them personally. It I don't know hurts. them personally, but he has such kind eyes. Oh my gosh. I would die for you, Andrew Garfield. Did you know I have a cat that I live with named Andrew Garfield? Now, you know, because obviously Andrew Garfield is going to listen to this podcast. He's a Swifty. <laughs> he's a Swifty. I mean, I hope he's a Swifty. I think he has he has the potential. He does. I mean, he's friends with Tom Holland, who's friend, friends with Zendaya, <laughs> like dating, who's friends with Taylor Swift. So the, it's there. I, he's He definitely bops You know they sometimes. listen to Taylor Swift on the set of Spider-Man No Way Home. It's it's happened. Well, also, Emma have. Stone was is good friends with oh, the, Taylor. <laughs> I forgot about it, too. <laughs> it's okay. We both <clears throat> went on that journey together. Okay. I have one discussion question for you. Okay. Okay. Are you going to ask me that? What if I said yes? What if I said yes? Don't do it for the bit. Will you marry me? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's going to be a no from me. Uh, Oh, that was the worst British accent I've ever done. I can't believe you ruined my proposal with your British accent. (laughs) It's not that you rejected me. It's not that it's not that I reject you. It's the Simon Cowell impression. Uh, for people who are only listening, I would like to point out I'm wearing a red flannel and I had a fake engagement ring in my pocket of the flannel. If it was real, I would have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what he did wrong. Yeah, well, it was his mom's broke ass bitch can't even afford a ring. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, thank you for letting me ramble about that for a while. That song is very important to me. That song is iconic, and I'm glad that you got. To, I'm just stalling. Like I, I know. I will let. I'm gonna let you talk for as long as you want about my tears ricochet because you deserve it, bestie. <sighs> That's good. I'm ready. I'm this here. Is, so this was my first like tattoo of the Shakespeare sleeve. That's purposefully also about a Taylor Swift song. Because my other ones, I have my first one that I have is like. 
the flowers from Ophelia's speech in Act Four of Hamlet, where she's like mm-hmm. gone cuckoo bananas because her dad died, mm-hmm. and she does this whole speech where she's like, "Here's this flower. Like, there's a daisy, rosemary for remembrance. Pray you love, remember." Like, all, she's just rambling. A lot of productions, she just is like handing out weeds or like nothing because she's cuckoo bananas. She's fucked in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a snake in it, and the snake specifically is an asp from. Antony and Cleopatra, because Cleopatra, historically, I think, and definitely in the play, killed herself by using poisonous asps and just letting him bite her chest. Mm. She took him to the tit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Also, I heard you say poisonous ass. I was like, what a way. What a way to go. Uh Um, And then there's also a Lady Macbeth quote that's, look like the flower would be the serpent under it. So it's like a three for one Shakespeare tattoo, but also obviously snakes rep era. And then like once was poison ivy. Now I'm your daisy. Daisy is one of the flowers. Um, And then the other one is the fool tarot card with a skeleton fool. The fool means like new beginnings. And then also the fool archetype in Shakespeare is like the only character who can speak the truth to nobility. That's not nobility is the fool because they make everything a little bit, but like they're the only one telling the truth usually. Um, and then they usually die in tragedies because, you know, the truth dies. Um, like King Lear, Hamlet, alas, poor Eurite, the whole, the whole skull speech thing, that was a fool. Um, and the role you made me play of the fool, no, I don't like you, and look what you made me do. She was playing the fool, like, based off the archetype as well, because she was telling the truth about the situation and they were lying about it and nobody believed her, but she was the one who was telling the truth and she was playing the fool. And now I have a sinking ship. It doesn't really look like it's sinking, but I kind of like that I know it's sinking and nobody else does because that feels like a fun little moment for me. Mm. Um, So, you know, obviously the battleship will sink beneath the waves. And then also in Twelfth Night, um, there's a shipwreck at the beginning. In Tempest, there's also a shipwreck at the beginning. So just a lot of beginnings Mm. on my arm. Mm -hmm. So now, away from Shakespeare and on to the topic of this podcast... My Tears Ricochet. I don't know why I just tried to do a hair flip. Um, this is track five on Folklore. And I realize this is the first track five we've covered on the show. Oh, my God. So big moment. That big is a moment big for everyone. Moment. Because uh, as we know, track fives are the emotional heart of every Taylor Swift album. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other artists and musicians have picked up on this um, and did it too. Like Fletcher does it. Maisie Peters does it. This song is speculated to be about Scott Borchetta and Big Machine Records. As everyone who knows Taylor Swift probably knows, but I'm going to explain it anyways, just in case you like bonked your head, woke up, or like podcast. <laughs> um, she signed with Big Machine Records when she was like 15, 16 years old. Before that, she had moved to Nashville with her family. When she was 14, she signed a production deal. I think that's what it's called. I forgot to give it a goog, um, which is like a pre-recording deal with a really big record label. Maybe it's called development deal. Either way, it's like she had a year to kind of like write songs and like show them to them and have them be like, yay, nay. Um, And after a year, they were like, we aren't ready to give you a record deal, but like maybe you you can sign on for another year and then maybe after the next year you'll be ready. And she made what everybody said was a very stupid decision and walked away from the the deal entirely and said like no I don't want to wonder like if I'm gonna get signed again 
And then she was playing at Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. Scott Borchetta had just decided to start a record label. And he saw her playing and went up to her afterwards and said, like, hi, I'm Scott Borchetta. I want to sign you to my record label. And she was like, great, what record label? He was like, I just made it up and you will be the first artist. And then she's Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the Road to Fearless documentary, which is linked in last week's show notes, um, that's where I know a lot of this story from because they talk about it a lot in there. Um, so she did her first six albums up through Reputation with Big Machine Records, and then her original record deal was up, and she wanted to buy her masters for those first six albums so that she would fully own them. And then she wanted to like look at other record labels because she knew she could probably get a better deal with somebody else. And Big Machine Records said, no, we're not going to sell you your masters. Instead, you can sign on for another six album record deal. And every time that you record an album, you can earn back the masters of one of your old ones. And she said, it's a no from me, dog. She signed with Republic, I think is who she signed now. Um, and then Scooter Braun bought Big Machine Records and therefore her back catalog of masters and then he sold them to someone else and he sucks and she had literally talked with scott borchetta about how he sucks (sighs) and getting a little bit into the like kind of vibe of the song it sounds like a funeral song like it sounds like very much like you're sitting in a church listening to something playing like the ooze at the beginning the reverb on them just sound very gospel choir like reverberating through a room with stained glass windows specifically. Mm-hmm. I was raised Catholic, unfortunately, <laughs> but like this, it's like that very much that vibe of like sitting in a cathedral, the ooze at least the actual like vocals don't have that sound, but the background does, which I think is interesting. Um, in terms of performance, this is on the era's tour set list. And uh, as if you've been on Swift Talk, you know the like I can go anywhere I want, anywhere I want, just not home. Mm. Ugh, okay. So good! Wow, so good! Chill, so good live. Mm. Um, I'm really excited next week, and it's already out for you guys. The Eras <laughs> Tour movie comes out. I'm really excited to see this the shot of her after the just not home because like at the concert, the way they shot it was so cool. I'm so excited to see it on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be I a don't great know time. what that was I didn't like that um she also it is part of the long pond studio sessions um I listen to that version of the song a lot because I like it mm-hmm. and there's a lot of op downs in there which she really like showcases her lower register a lot on folklore and this especially shows it off um and I think it's interesting that in the long pond studio session she also doesn't do the high note at the end she opts down on that um and then I have going to inevitably be one of my most played songs this year due to a specific maladaptive daydream. <laughs> I love being mentally I ill. I love that fun fact. That's me. That's me every year with the song Midnight City. I don't know why. It's not even the same daydream every year, but that song just is meant for maladaptive daydreaming. That's so real. My overall lyrical interpretation. This song perfectly and beautifully encapsulates what it's like to be betrayed by the people you trust the most and how those people can hurt you the most because they know exactly where it hurts the most to push Mm -hmm. you um she compared this in like talking between long pond studio session um recordings like the little clips of her and jack and aaron like talking around the fire um she talks about how the song kind of reminds her of like a divorce and how like 
it's this person that used to mean the most to you in the world and now they're the one who can hurt you the most because they have so much power over you Mm -hmm. and they're like making the choice to use that power and that's almost more painful than them like having the power to hurt you yeah as bring me the horizon once said true friends stab you in the front that's real (laughs) that is real bring me the horizon is pretty cool um so verse one I definitely went for more of the narrative. I was like, let me show you what my notes look like. And it's just paragraphs. Okay. So at least we both did that this week. So we're out here. So it opens up at a, like a funeral. The corpse is still talking though. She's like a ghost watching her own funeral, thinking how she doesn't want to go quietly into that good night. Um, which is a reference to a poem that's famous. It really is. It's famous. You <laughs> you know it. You uh, we all know, we well, all why know would it. I say the name. You know the you know the it's name. It's common that knowledge. Guy. Um she's asking this mourners if she thinks if they think she deserves this, but they can't hear her. She's not saying that she's perfect by any means, but she is saying that she doesn't deserve the way she was treated and parentheses spoil spoiler for the final chorus killed. Um chorus so in the chorus every chorus has like one line changed every time in the final chorus there's a few more changed but you know what i mean imagine if someone just listened to the first part of the song paused listened to this podcast and you were like she dies at the end they're like oh <laughs> you spoiled it i mean if you start with a funeral it's like my book you started a funeral they're dead they're dead all right carry on I wrote a book. Um, the oh, course, we never mentioned that both of us write. Oh, yeah. We've never mentioned that. We haven't mentioned that. Yeah. But can't you tell by our genius vibes? Mm, mm-hmm. So every chorus has one line changed. Um, the first chorus, it's, and you're the heroes flying around saving face. Um, I said this is probably calling out like the PR strategy, minimizing the extreme personal betrayal that this business deal caused. Um, I believe she found out about the sale of her masters from a press release or just from Mm. the press in general which is like after having this relationship for over a decade she made him so much money made him so successful put big machine records on the map and she finds out that this business deal not only was she not going to be able to buy her masters but he sold them to someone that they have talked openly about disliking before is like Mm -hmm. peak betrayal Mm mm-hmm And she knows she should just go with Grace, but she doesn't have it in herself because she knows that's what they want her to do. They want her to like sit down and take it and not fight back, but she's going to because she's going to do the re-recording. She's going to take back the power after all these betrayals. Um, And they're simultaneously cursing her and wishing that they took her shitty deal. Or, Or they're cursing her and wishing that she took their shitty deal. I wrote it down wrong in my notes. Um, and then also, so her tears ricochet, so they're still falling, but then they bounce back just like she does. She rises up from the dead. She does it all the time. Yes. Um, Phoenix once again. Exactly. She's getting tired though. She's so tired. (laughs) Um, also ricochet is used usually with like bullets bouncing around and bouncing Mm -hmm. back and causing damage that's like unintentional. So I think that part of this is also like that idea of like my tears ricochet, like, I don't really care what else like gets impacted by me doing this. Like, I don't care Mm. if I'm devaluing like someone's stupid investment. I don't care if like other people are upset by this. Like my tears are going to fall, but they're going to ricochet. They're going to like go where they go. Like I'm going to do my thing. It could also mean like shrapnel. 
like she has been demolished and the tears are just like ricocheting. Yeah. Shrapnel. So verse two, when their professional relationship started, they didn't know where it would go. She was young, naive, and he was brand new to having a record label. So they didn't know what kind of stories they're going to be collecting, the kind that would sink them or the kind that would turn out to be gems that would make the investment worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously we know it would make the investment worth it. But at that point they didn't know if they were like, if they were rocks or if they were diamonds. Mm. Um, and also, this verse talks a lot about... <laughs> that's not a diamond. I, I gesture to the ring from the proposal that Kat turned down. Carry on. <laughs> it's plastic. <laughs> I'm better than that. <laughs> no, you're worth. Queen. <laughs> um, so she didn't want things to turn out this way, but she didn't have a choice. They took her jewels, her first six albums, um, some of the most iconic music of all time, and they didn't even have the respect to tell her about this sale before Mm -hmm. head before head before time ahead of time (laughs) i can talk we got there eventually i've it's uh, it's the climb it's okay um so they buried her and used the money from her hard work and emotional labor the stories of her life to turn a profit and get the business connections and money that she gave them without taylor big machine would have been nothing like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be like, nobody would know who Big Machine's Records was mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Taylor Swift. If it wasn't for her when her first album came out, going around to radio stations and hand-baking cookies to, like, literally bribe DJs to, like, put her music on air. And then it became, like, she's a marketing genius. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so the second chorus, the change line is, when I'd fight you, used to tell me I was brave. Because she is so used to like being controversial in the media and fighting back, mm-hmm. and it would always get her so much press. In a lot of it was you know negative backlash and like oh Taylor Swift's a slut. Taylor Swift's like playing the victim again. You know like the reputation to her intro where it's just like all the mm-hmm. things that are being said about her, and it makes me wonder if they pushed her to be controversial sometimes when she was like on the edge of things, um, and if they were upset when she disappeared before reputation came out. Cause like just nobody saw her for like three years. Mm-hmm. So like, it makes me wonder if they kind of were like, Oh, you should like be controversial, like make, make more news. Like all press is good press. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that head empty. No, that's a really great point. And it also, um, those crickets go on for they a long keep time. Going. Yeah. I really um, want to make things awkward. It also ties into again what the the theme of of women's feelings being downplayed, but at the same time they're entertaining. Yeah, there's no winning. There's no winning. Um, and now for the bridge. Oh boy! Oh boy! So the bridge, mm. devastating perfectly encapsulates once again Mm -hmm. i feel like when someone you love so much and trust so much betrays you you want to go back to them you just want to go home to them but you know that if you go back to that house you'll just find a burned out carcass it'll never hold the same warmth and love that it once held you can never go home (laughs) cat you you just pulled a me (laughs) you just did what i did last week where you just went happy (laughs) that's how i feel right now damn and continuing on with the theme of pain um, it doesn't matter how much that person hurts her, how much they want to hurt her. It will always hurt them too. 
when you have that much love in a relationship and when the love is true on both sides, it hurts to hurt that person. And you can lash out because it feels like it'll help, but that violence won't fix a hole in your heart. It won't unburn down the house. Damn, your notes be hitting. And you can't talk to the person who you loved so much that hurt you so much, but you still communicate with them. You still hear a song and think that they would love it. You still see a meme and have to stop yourself from sending it. You still see the corner of a fire in your vision and think of how it felt when the house burned down. This is just a poem. (laughs) (laughs) Abby's like, are you good for I had a speech and I'm speechless. (laughs) (laughs) that's so okay so this is why i write in narrative form because it you can come up with bangers like that this was just thought this is just all i was just i'm not that eloquent when i speak normally i mean same that's why i wrote it down yeah remember before when i couldn't say a sentence (laughs) (laughs) and now i'm like burning down the house we tried to switch roles today i think we have to do a healthy mix of narrative form and bullet points yeah I thought you were going to say, and bullshit, which also, also also true. A healthy mix of the three. See, the thing is, we both just like, neither of us did more lighthearted song this week. It was both of us were just like, here's my tattoos. I have clinical depression. Yeah. (laughs) I'm realizing that too. Both of our tattoos come from incredibly sad songs. Like really devastating. No. No, cat. No. No, it's not the time for this. (laughs) It's not now, when. Um, for the for the listeners at home, I did a little dancey dance. Oh, yeah, we had a dance break. So back to um, back to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally wrote my note. Getting it back to the supposed meaning from Taylor's point of view at the end of the bridge. When they're haunted by what they did to her, they hear her stolen lullabies. I did mm-hmm. air quotes around that. Um, they own the songs she wrote. They have the comfort of her stolen lullabies, and all she has is the melodies that she still owns. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then the final chorus. So she couldn't go with Grace. All of her battleships are going down. They killed her, but she killed him at the same time. Um, because, you know, when you're playing battleship, like you can't see the other person's board, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, to me, like knowing what's going to hurt somebody and knowing exactly where to hit is like, if you play battleship and you know, like every time, like, oh, they're going to play like a ship at F4. And so every time you have the knowledge that like, if I play battleship with you, if I just go F4, like I'm going to hit. Mm-hmm. But like when you are in good terms with that person, you're like, okay, like I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Not going to say F4. But then they say F4 and you're like, can't believe you've done this. <laughs> um, it's also like a Shakespearean tragedy. I, I wrote in parentheses, I'm not biased. <laughs> Where, spoiler alert, everyone dies at the end. Mm -hmm. You had to kill me, but it killed you too. Congratulations, you hurt me, you sold off my discography, but you hurt yourself too, and I completely devalued your most worthwhile investment, and now it's worth nothing because of the re-recordings. Yeah. She she fought back. She did fought back, and... She did fought back. (laughs) A minute ago, we were like, wow, literary. And now I'm like, she did fought back. (laughs) Yeah. She she fought back. Mm Mm-hmm. She did fight back. Yeah. I know how words work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that, like, after it says, wishing I stayed, it doesn't say, my tears ricocheted, like mm-hmm. the other choruses. It's, you turn into your worst fears, because they created a monster by betraying Taylor. Mm-hmm. Scott turned into the record label bigwig corporate sellout that he probably never thought he would be when he first heard a 15-year-old girl singing in Bluebird Cafe. Mm-hmm. He turned into his worst fears. He became the big record label asshole. 
Scott Porchetta done goofed the song. Yeah, literally. Um, and, you know, he's cursing her name, wishing she took the shitty deal he offered her. But her tears have ricocheted. She's recovering. She's coming out of this better than ever. Um, and him, his professional life and reputation is ruined. Taylor made sure she didn't go with Grace. And she ended him. No one is walking away unscarred. The tragedy in the final scene has hit bodies on the floor. Wow. I love this for her. I don't have any discussion questions. Oh, wait, I do. Ooh. Um, how much do you think that Scott Borchetta regrets selling Taylor's Masters? Ooh, okay, this is a really interesting question. Because also for people who don't understand, like, the relevance of Masters is that, like, it's like the recording of the song, but also in order... The way that people make the most money off of a back catalog of songs, because like obviously the initial like buying albums and streams have kind of like gone down a little bit, is by putting it in TV shows and movies and ads and all that stuff. But in order to put something like a song into a TV show, ad, movie, etc., you have to have the permission of the purpose of the person who owns the masters and then also the songwriters. And Taylor Swift is a credited songwriter on every single one of her songs mm-hmm. ever released. So realistically they can't do like the main thing that you would make money off of a back catalog with um just for some some reference of another reason like they're still making money off of streams which is why you shouldn't stream the stolen versions um or like buy the originals non secondhand for any like physical copies but Mm -hmm. i think he i think he really regrets it because he's losing other business now too like other people are dropping yeah because the thing is god should have sold big machine Mm-hmm. and then scooter braun got it mm-hmm. and then scooter sold it to someone and i think part of the deal when he sold it was that they aren't allowed to sell them back to matt taylor mm. so yeah he really he must he must regret it he's gotta do not scorn spaghetti. her don't hurt our queen our god you can't don't do it you Karma. will lose question two what do you think of this as a track five because Mm. most of her track fives are about like romantic love breakups um the this is one of only three that i kind of looked at the list and like aren't 100 percent about romantic love the other ones are the archer and you're on your own kid Mm. so these are these are fantastic discussion questions thank you i would like to say i forgot i wrote them i think i think it's a it's it's a very interesting track five because when you said that I was like, oh, I guess it is, but it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as that. But at the same time, it's about such a pivotal point in her career. It's a, such a betrayal. It is such a, a powerful, horrible thing that happened to her. And so it's deserving of a track five. And I also think this question made me think, um, even though I wrote it, hmm. but like folklore is about, you know other people's stories and stuff and obviously this is her story but it's also like something that's been covered so much in the media and like mythologized so like to a certain degree it is like turning into folklore she also takes a step back and does it from her own perspective when the song is mainly about other stories like she's starting to share these hypothetical situations and then she takes a little breaky break and she's like this is what happened to me this i'm going to focus on myself for this track five She's like, and back to the most important person in the world, Taylor Swift. (laughs) Our hint songs for next week. I'm trying to think of a good one. I feel like mine, 
the hint song is just because it makes me want to bop the same way that my song for next week does. And that is Red Wine Supernova by Chappelle Roan. Mm. Banger. So I'm doing a banger next week. Depression gone. Banger's back. My hint is a song God is a Woman by Ariana Grande. Banger. It it really relates not at all, but I'll tell you I'll tell you why I kind of made the connection next week. So stay tuned for next week when we do things. Thank you for joining us for this especially devastating episode of Swift Lore. And uh, we end it with a crispy high five. Should we do the crispy high five like in front of a mic? Because nobody knows how crispy it is. Oh, that's true. It was really crispy last week. It was week. really crispy last week and you can't really hear it on the recording. Really devastating. Also, follow us on TikTok at SwiftLorePod. And on Instagram at SwiftLorePod. We're also on YouTube. Yeah. So if you listen to this episode on something, it's on Spotify, it's on Amazon, it's on Google, mm-hmm. it's on Apple. Did I already say Apple or did I say Spotify? I don't know, but it's on. It's, it's on all the things. So if you listen on one, you can listen on another and you can also watch it. Um, we do some visual humor because we can't stop ourselves. Yep. Um, we're trying to explain it when we do it, but it, you know, it, it hits different. It, it does. Um, so yeah, crispy high five. Crispy high five. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> no, the least. I'm scared of high fiving in front of a microphone. We're, we're okay. Okay. That was good. It was good. We'll work on it. <laughs> Anytime we say controversial, it's fine because there's no better place to say controversial information than on the internet. It's so true. I mean, it's not forever. Um, (laughs) Um, Fucked in the head. Everyone thinks, yeah, everyone thinks that that word that I'm not going to say again. Um, At this point, I'm just keeping it up for the bit, you guys. (laughs) I've heard her say fuck before. (laughs) I'm breaking the illusion. Um, oh wait, did you go to a bachelor bachelorette party this weekend? <laughs> I I did. Oh my god, I didn't even like. Yeah, it just clicked. I Sorry. know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs>